but it is a photo of me and I'm allowed to use it. So sorry, dumb, trashy stripper party that I did. Your logo's going. <laughs> And welcome to Maker and Creator, the podcast about creativity and culture and how it affects us. My name is Jai Smith, and I'm joined as always by Alex. <laughs> Everyone's going to think that I do something. Yeah. I literally just look, look at, at you, you, and I'm like, did I get something wrong? Up. Do you get nervous? You <laughs> I think so. I think the giggle started before he even looked at you. Yeah, maybe. I was thinking I was thinking, and I think I was thinking of last night. I'm like, did I get all the words right? And then I was thinking about last week, and I was like, oh. I slowed a bit last week. <laughs> okay, out of, we're, we're up to there. episode 18. 18. And out of 18 episodes, you've only rocked up, hammered to one mm. recording. So that's a that's a good start. It's a big plus. And tonight I was like, I'm not going to drink. But then, of course, we've got um, a really good friend of mine who I've known for many, many years on the show. And um, that called for drinking Always. Wine. Yay. Yay. It tastes like ginger beer. It does. It's but it's wine. It's weird. We won't, maybe we won't mention the name of that. Oh, maybe we will we later. Will. We'll see how many drinks If they we give have. us money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this show is probably brought to you by... Uh, and Dia Barrett epitomizes the notion of creativity, and it is, I think she's the ultimate maker and creator. Big girl. I really do. I yeah, really think, like, when it. it comes to making and creating, she's a costume designer, a diamond setter, jewelry maker, and she's also an award winning burlesque performer who makes all her own amazing costumes and props. She goes by the name of Diesel Darling out there mm. in the performing world. Welcome to the show, Andia. Hi. I feel very horrified. Do you? Why? <laughs> Why? You know? Why? That, did I get it right? Like, did did I miss anything? You, yeah. I feel like you're the ultimate slasher. <laughs> you do so many different things. Did I miss anything? No, no, no. You, uh, well, I don't know. I don't <laughs> think you missed anything. But. When I read it on paper, I'm like, it sounds like it's a cover for being like a cat burglar. You set I diamonds, wish. you make jewellery and you're a burlesque dancer who makes costumes. I'm like, yeah. I just got this. People always comment on my costumes and when I say I'm a jeweller, they're like, oh, that explains all of this looking at my yeah. costume. And I'm like. No, these are fucking rhinestones, guys. Yeah, I just see it's very diamonds. It's very different. Yes, it all sparkles. Yeah, I just see this very noir looking, like breaking into somebody's house, like you know, seducing who's inside. Yeah, she's very flexible, so I can imagine you like you know creeping into places. I did try to pretend to do that, like laser scene from Oh Entrapment. Yes, Ah. but just with wool between some chairs. (laughs) Did it work? (laughs) Well, Emily and I used to, you know. Old friend, um, yeah, we used to play this game. <laughs> I'm not sure that it worked or oh. didn't work. It was just kind of fun. Mm. I thought you meant like you did it as a routine at one of your burlesque oh, no, shows. But now I, I think like, I will. Good mm. idea. Yeah, Thank you. It was yeah, my idea I at the beginning. Be, yeah. Okay, it's all yours. But I think that'd be really cool. We could have like laser beams rather than wool oh, on chairs. And I do actually oh, have laser beams and a fog machine and an act where they reflect off mirrors. But that is actually a way better place to take and it. Just do yeah. the old. What's her name? What's the actress name? Catherine Zeta. Catherine Zeta Jones. Yeah, and you wear like a sexy cat suit and mm. do it all. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so <laughs> I'm very. I'm glad this is being recorded because yeah. so many of my ideas don't get recorded. <laughs> Good. Yeah, so you can always come back. To yes, this and reference it. Um, so D is a country girl as well. We both grew up in Broken Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. Like, what do you? Th- 
I always thought that Broken Hill was a super creative place and growing up in the country. Like, what do you think about country life for children? Do you think that it... I think it's the best. Yeah? Yeah. I think it gets to a point that there's not opportunities, obviously, like, you know, at a certain age. Yeah. But in terms of like, I don't know, and this might sound, (laughs) I don't know, the opposite of snobby, but snobby. Um, (laughs) Like the lifestyle that we were allowed in Broken Hill, um, like we just played out. I I was making like mud pies on the front, like, (laughs) what do you call it? The it's not pavement because it's just red dirt, yeah. <laughs> but like out the front of your house <laughs> um, with the neighbours' kids and, and like a tree house with the weird overgrown plant that's down the block and no one was really checking where we were per se because we were safe and you kind of just, I don't know, like I felt like we had freedoms that you would, like I can't imagine that you could do any of those things here. In Sydney. Well, for starters, um, you would need to have a footpath, whereas a yeah. level three in an apartment, <laughs> yeah. and exactly, you know, the square meterage is a high commodity. But your dad is an artist, so you had creativity around you. Do you think, this is a big question, do you think that you were born creative or you became creative? It's that whole nurture, it's nature versus nurture. But Ooh, what do you I reckon? have a whole different take on this and I, I get – a little bit apprehensive about sharing this publicly because I don't think it's necessarily a fair to everyone. Or nah, do it. I it's think the best it gets. Thing. It could be very easily a generalization, but I think I have mental health issues oh. and I'm creative, and I think that they're hand in hand. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Okay. There has always been. So I guess that's born with it, but then also no. I don't know. Yeah, because well, I had that- a really amazing upbringing. Like, mm, like yeah. my nurture was amazing and perfect. Well. We have spoken a lot before in terms of a certain level of anxiety that can go with it. Yeah. I think I think you're right. I think the only part in time where it becomes a little insensitive is one equals the other rather than one. That's I guess yeah. that's what I was trying to steer away from. Yeah. Like for me, I know that they are very hand in hand, but I don't think they have to be yeah. for it. I don't think you have to be insane to yeah. be creative. But I think that's but, fine. But I think yeah. also if you recognise that if, you know, depending on where your mental wellness is a point, how that affects your creativity are really interesting things. Yeah. And one of the things we talk about is is the cost of that creativity. And I'm thinking yes, way back massively. in season one. Massively. When we spoke to like Rob and a few of the others in terms of, and Damien as well, mm. was that vulnerability brought with it some, you know, anxiety issues, but also it kind of helped at the same time. See, I was going to say, I don't really see it as the cost of creativity as much as the one perk I get out of yeah. my crazy. I think that's great. <laughs> like, like, yeah, yeah, life's been pretty hard for all kinds of weird things inside my head. However, yeah. I've, like, it's the outcome of that is the crazy amazing things I've done that yeah. it kind of doesn't necessarily take guts to do. It takes a little bit of insanity to do. Yeah, love it. <laughs> no, I think you're spot on. Um, how do you harness that creativity and how do you switch off? I mean. I don't. I really don't okay. sleep. Um, that's an issue. But. But, like, you've just been, as someone who's known you for a long time, you, you're a terrible morning person. And I know this oh, because... Oh, my God, you have the best story. Wow, I tell people this story, but the I'm one in the room you with at, you. You yelled at me? Like, I yelled at you man. not to get out of a bed even though a fire alarm was going off. Oh, yeah. my God. And I t- <laughs> called you selfish. <laughs> Where were you? Oh, God. You were 
like year 2000 and we were in Sydney for a dance um, performance. We were in Melbourne. Melbourne, Melbourne, yeah. Melbourne for a dance performance and we are staying in this hostel and, and there was a troop of like 30 of us. We were definitely too young to all be allowed yeah, to stay in that year hostel. Year 2000. I think, yeah. yeah. kids. Yeah, I snuck out and made up with heaps of boys. I know, there was a bar in that hostel yes. down on the bottom. Alex, I remember Alex. the first time I ever saw someone having sex in real life was because I walked down the oh. hallway near the bar and there was just some guy fucking another girl. Oh my God. <laughs> And I think I might have done a double take down that hallway just because I was like, is that really happening? (laughs) And we would have been like 16, 17. And I'm like one year younger than you. I know I was definitely not, should not have been there without proper chaperoning. I remember I was quite developed from an early age. I looked like a lot older than I was. Yeah, I never looked old enough. Yeah, I I did. (laughs) But um, anyway, so we were there. um, And here's about sleeper. And the fire alarm was going off and she was like, stop being so selfish. And boom, back to I remember you sitting bolt upright and being like so composed, like, guys, there's a fire. We've got to get out. Oh, what a surprise. And me being like, oh. And then you being like, no, guys, seriously, fire. You've got to get up. And everyone else sort of hustling to get up and me going, don't be so selfish, Alex. There's nothing happening. Go back to sleep. Totally, there was a fire alarm going off. The whole place had to evacuate. I think you left me. Jane might have stayed back. (laughs) I think you were like, fucking die, bitch. (laughs) I tried. I tried. tried. (laughs) This is on me. Someone got me. I was very sheepish when we all got out. The whole building, like this five-story backpackers got evacuated out on the street. Yeah. There was no fire, to be fair. No. It, it was it, a fire drill. And it probably had gone off at about five times. It was a, there was a problem with the alarm. Oh, anyway. see, I heard none of those. So yeah. I okay. still thought you were selfish. Just off the Alex has a small diary entry on this where <laughs> yeah, she's written okay. things down. And dear Barrett. I've definitely yeah. told this story a few times. <laughs> and then Andy. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, you know, clearly, you know, it wasn't that bad because we're still friends. Yeah. But, um, but yes, bad sleeper. Um, yeah. I mean, like, are you, do you suffer from insomnia or yeah. do you love sleep a lot? Because you, when you finally get to sleep, it's hard to get you up. I don't know. Is that a yeah? No, uh, um, I don't really know. That's one thing I haven't really gotten to a final sort of <laughs> resolution or diagnosis on. But I definitely, I definitely take some sort of mood suppressants to sleep and mm. I, I'm like, I'm going to be super frank about my mental health because I think more yeah. people should, especially creatives. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, I definitely take some, like a little bit of something to help me sleep. Um, all legal now. I used to smoke a lot of weed, but I don't anymore. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I, I know that my brain just won't shut down until that point. But the unfortunate thing about it is it takes like a good hour or so to kick in. Yeah. And so – Especially in the early days when I was trying to stop smoking to chill, to check out. Mm. <laughs> I just didn't have the patience to wait that hour. So yeah. I ended up getting stoned in the meantime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, no, like now I'm like, I'm good. I'm like, okay, I think I can wind this job up in the next hour. So take yeah. it now and then hopefully you'll be done by the time you get sleepy. And if you're not, <laughs> too bad. Yeah. 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 Do you see the different creative outlets you have as different personas you have? Or do yes. you see it as one? Very big? much so. Talk us through the the different personas to the different creative outlets. Start at burlesque. Uh, Right. So burlesque is, I don't know, but uh, I don't really know. Bad one to start with? Well, no, I just, uh, be more specific. (laughs) How long have you been doing burlesque? Maybe like take us back to how you Uh, got into burlesque maybe as well and then what persona that you kind of get into. Obviously you have one, it's Diesel Darling. So how that all evolved and started. Yeah. Okay. So, um, 
I was at uni at art school um, and I started studying jewellery and object design, uh, mainly because I wanted to do fashion design, but I didn't quite have the UAI for UTS, which was like a 90 fucking four or something. Insane. Yeah. Um, but I could get into the jewellery design bit at SCA, so at an art school, and I was like, that's still design. I can just do the niche part of mm. fashion design. Little did I know they really taught you no practical skills at all. Um, but... I was working in a restaurant and I really was unhappy with the management of that place. And so I had sort of started looking outside for another job and I went to one pole dancing class. And the funny thing is when I first, I got asked by the girls that I worked with at that restaurant, like, we're going to go take a pole dancing class. Do you want to come? Like we're getting a group of us together. And I was like, no, I'm a dancer dancer. (laughs) I'm a real dancer. Yeah. I was fully like, no, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) You know, like, Yucky. like, nah, I wouldn't sully myself like that. <laughs> and then I did end up, I didn't go along with them. So they did the whole eight weeks, but every like time I would see them all together, like at work, they'd be going on about how amazing it was and the latest move they learned, blah, 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 blah. And eventually I was like, okay, I'm so left out. I want to do it. <laughs> and so I booked in for like a mini term, which would mean that I would, it would catch me up on their eight weeks in four weeks. So I could start into the next, like into level two with them. And I did like three lessons and went, oh my God, oh, maybe two lessons and went, I love this. Yeah. I don't think I can afford this. Um, yeah. How can I do this? And this is always, this is my attitude to life in general. How can I do this for free or for a lot less money? <laughs> um, and then they were advertising for a receptionist. And I was like, cool, well, I hate my job. So great. Wow. Yeah, so that's cool. I was like, do I get free classes? That was the only thing I wanted to know. And she was like, yes, absolutely. Um, and then when I got the hours, a lot of them were when I was at uni and I couldn't do the job. And so I didn't, I, I declined. And then the woman was so, who's now one of my best friends was so like, you're the only one I really liked. You're so cool. Like you rocked up on your scooter. And I had my helmet. She's like, do you ride a motorcycle? I was like, I ride a scooter. It's she was a- like, I don't care. Give me the helmet. She put it on. And we got along very well immediately. <laughs> she finished the interview in your <laughs> yeah. helmet. And then she basically yeah. hired me and I was like, no, I really can't do it. And then she made it so that she was like, okay, the couple of days I couldn't come in. She came in for like one hour to cover that hour I couldn't make it. And then and oh. I know, and that was her offer. And I was like, I can't make you do that. And she insisted. And then I was like, well, I hate the management at my current place. So that's such a dumb thing to turn down. So, yes. So I started teaching there and that's when I sort of first discovered and that was Bobby's Pole Studio. I will oh, give them a shout out because yeah. Vanessa who runs that is amazing. Um, and then... And they're so well known. Yeah. In the, yeah. And this was like in 2005 or six. Mm. Um, and so then I, you know, was taking classes but I was not strong. Like I was a dancer so I'd get away with things. Like my flexibility w- would make it look like I could do certain tricks yeah. or things that people would have to build up to but I was not there um but i'd still get booked for the occasional gig which in those days was like at northies Uh, on a pole good times (laughs) they realized northies had poles i mean clearly missed their studio um installed them and charged Uh, them for like uh, i think i'm pretty sure that that's the deal it for a regular like there was a regular (laughs) weekly show there and it was just a shitty kind of cut your teeth kind of gig yeah but i i could like go up what's like go upside down once if I was lucky and really not many tricks at all. So I got creative with costumes and, and dumb themes and like different props. And like, I remember one time I just borrowed my flatmate who'd gotten back from like Cuba's and South America's poncho. 
and just like held it out, like my arms out like a scarecrow and just like kicked my legs out the side, revealing like my legs and shit. <laughs> and then maybe went upside down the one time that I could muster it. Like and, a Peruvian and, and burrito yeah, sort exactly. of thing. And yeah. then start, and started with like a sombrero on, which is probably not even the right and country. And a fake mustache. And not yet. But then I went to a burlesque show like a Covered year or two later and I was like, ah, you guys, this is what I do. But you don't have a pole. Fuck, I can do this without a pole? <laughs> Brilliant. And I made the mistake of saying that to a burlesque dancer once. It's Ooh. like what I do, but you don't have to be a good pole dancer. They were not very impressed. Did they look at that. you like you looked at your work colleagues and said, no, darling, I am a burlesque dancer? <laughs> yeah, oh, I think they just were like, yeah, you're never going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so that was kind of my intro into it all. So, so how, did you, how did you come up with the persona? For uh, Diesel, I don't know that I came up with the persona. I think Diesel is really just an extension of myself. Like, mm. these is all the things I want to do <laughs> that seem fun, but also that you know, on a night off, I really don't want to yeah. do. Um, but the name I just came up with because I was on reception with another girl who she actually, I think she's now running part like the touring part of Sydney Film Festival. Oh. Uh, but we were the receptionists, so we were kind of the nerdy ones, not the dancer dancers <laughs> and teachers. Like it was like the receptionists and the teachers. Wearing ponchos. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and so she called herself Frankie and I called myself Diesel and that did all come about a whole bunch of like drinking wine together and brainstorming because when we first got the jobs we were like, does that mean we get stripper names? Because everyone else has a stripper name. We want a stripper name. So Diesel was very early on in the part. And then when I started actually doing burlesque, I was like, oh, my name is Diesel. <laughs> Come out they all have these fluffy, cool names. And then I was like, well, actually, there seems to be a formula here. Everybody has two names. Like it's something and then like a describing bit, you know. <laughs> so I was like, okay. And alliteration seems to be highly present. Yeah. So Diesel. Darling softens it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Calms everything yeah, down. I wish it was a better story than that. But no, I think it's a yeah. good story. I also always got called D as my nickname. Yeah. Uh, so that's how Diesel kind of came from D and country girl thing. Because yeah, yeah. I can change a fucking tyre yeah. um, and all that dumb stuff. At least it didn't come out as tractor or something that's, you know, yeah. no, le- no. less sexual. <laughs> Mac track. Mac Shearing. track. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sheila. Sheila. Shiny Sheila. Could that be right? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you're right. You wow, is that your burlesque name? If you yeah, what's your burlesque name? No, mine's Caddy Chloride because don't you t- <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe it's Miss Darlinghurst. Surely I've got my own persona. I love how you just swap from Caddy did, yeah, did Chloride you, to surely. Surely. <laughs> well, Caddy Chloride because don't you take the name of your first pet that's a porn um, name. Oh, no, but I think it could be applied to maybe a burlesque name. I think name. it's whatever the hell you want to write on a meme. One time I did that just to promo a show. I can't remember what it was, but it was like a dumb, here's your something name, do this, because everyone interacts, because everyone loves yes. a good interactive dumb meme like that. So let's take a moment and everyone listening home, what's the name of your first pet and what's the name of the first street that you lived yeah, on? Yeah, that is your porn name that for sure. That is your porn name, maybe your burlesque Mine name. was... Um, <laughs> What did you say? Yours is Catty Chloride? Catty, like C-A-D-D-Y, Chloride. Oh, was it a cat? No, it was a dog. Catty, like Caddy, like, like a golf caddy. Her know. dad was also our English teacher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that being said, my dad was also a teacher at the, was the one of. Teacher. Yeah. <laughs> it was like two high, two high schools. Yeah, it's not a big place, <laughs> is it? Like, yeah. We were homeschooled. 
yeah. together. What's your porn name, Jai? Porn name, oh, it's Hoover Pasadena. What? Oh, that is such Pasadena a- is yeah. great. Hoover. Oh, my God, that's a porn name yeah. if I ever heard one. <laughs> Pasadena is also a bit. Pasadena. <laughs> I wish there was a visual medium. <laughs> <laughs> Sexy. <laughs> What's yours, Andrea? Um, I think it's Monogua Pill. Monogua? Monogua Pill? Which sounds slightly too classy. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like some I don't know, European I, woman you've met. Mm, and like, oh, it's Monogua. There was oh, a, actually, no, my first seat was oxide, so Monogua Oxide. <laughs> That just sounds Minogua like something oxide? out of Harry Potter. Wait, what like street did you live you. on that was Oxide? Oxide Street. Broken Hill. <laughs> We're from Broken Hill. Everything's <laughs> a mineral. Everything's named after like Did a you not hear hers? Chloride, bromide, <laughs> oxide. You know, when you were saying that, in my head it was like chloride, like chloride. and no. then I, I, Oh, oh, whoa, that's a whole other take on catty. Catty. No. Yeah, catty. No. Oh. But there was someone um, uh, who we grew up with who hers was Pussy Cummins. Cummins Lane. Mineral. It's so it. funny because I now work in the jewelry industry mm. and all these minerals are present again and I'm like, yeah, I know that one because it's a street where I'm like some guy that I kissed the lips on. Is this a dumb question? Is oxide a mineral? Doesn't oxidation happen? It does happen. I don't know if it's a mineral to be honest. Yeah. I don't I think it was like anything to do with, with mining, mining and it's rocks yeah. and minerals and anything like that. Really? Yeah, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I'm guessing that oxide is like there was the sulfide, result of a chemical oxide, reaction, but I'm not sure. I could be totally wrong. They sound like they're just rhyming all the ides to do with minerals. There were lots of ides, but, but then there yeah. was Beryl Street. Yeah. <laughs> no, Beryl is a stone that we I sell oh. Beryl in my fancy gem shop. Yeah. Oh. Where is your fancy gem shop? In the city. Oh, in it's trade way. only. Oh, oh. yeah. So we sell to jewelers. Yeah. So then, okay. That's so, not my business. That's just where I work a few days a week. So then you're doing the, so you're, you're you know, doing the degree at uni and you're working at Bobby's part time and you get into burlesque. How do you start, and what, you just start making your own costumes and then? No, no. I then got disillusioned with everything and took off overseas for a few years. Right. Yeah. And what did you do there? Worked in bars. However, I did work in strip clubs. But as a bartender, I know that sounds like a huge cop out because (laughs) I've got no issues with working as a stripper. But I was a bartender in a very fancy – I started as a cocktail waitress and then progressed to the bar and my accent went down a treat. And in a place where you already have to get a dollar on every drink, when you've got a cute accent and a behind the bar, then you make a lot of dollars. So – I had a really good gig over there. That was at least the San Fran gig at the Gold Club. Hi, Gold Club. Um, <laughs> but and you yeah, were able- I, just, I just was more, I was there for bartending. It wasn't burlesquing. And were you able to do that because your dad's American? Oh, I'm an American citizen, yes. Ah, yeah, yeah, so you could get a... Yeah, because so I actually had yeah. been in Barcelona for six months, which was at least three months over the legal limit right. that I was allowed to be there. Yeah, um, but, but you're one of those lucky people who has a green card. Is it a green card? No, it's no, I'm just, just a citizen. A, just a citizen. Yeah, yeah, American citizen. Mm. Because despite growing up in Broken Hill, but hang on, your mother's she's not Aussie, is she? She's Greek, but there's some weird. Is she born thing. in Australia? No. Yeah, but there's. It's, 
I don't know. It so goes on the parents' side. Spot. I think it goes on the father's side. Oh, and that is knows. such bullshit. Yeah. Oh. And there was also something around like, and please correct me if you're wrong, listeners. I know we're really getting off topic here, but um, if you, you can edit this out, right? If yeah. we're just having a good old time. <laughs> you can just edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> just a good bit of chat. I noticed that you've already gone now. off for oh, a while. I had, I had to go for a wee. <laughs> oh, I thought you were like, yeah, right. Most none of this do- is about yeah. me. They're, they're going off on their own. <laughs> Nonsense. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Why don't I ask a question? Can I, hang on, let me just top and tail that one. So when you're creating in other fields, costume or jewellery, mm-hmm. one of the things we talk to a lot about our creatives is that there are other – like because obviously a burlesque persona is so explicitly a persona that I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, I, you can see over here you can put a label on it. With creating other things, do you find your – do you describe your creative process or your creative – persona different in those environments or are you the same thing same person through all of it um i guess it depends on how you define my creative persona and i probably don't see as many distinctions mm. like i think my burlesque i mean sorry my burlesque persona like i guess who i am on that stage is different to I, who i am still dressed as her chatting with you or mm. you know at the next bar or whatever but um and what about when, like, you're, you're creating jewellery? That's what I'm really interested in in terms of do you do you have a different approach to that in the sense of, like, where you draw inspiration from? Or Ah, yeah. Inspiration definitely comes from different places. Yeah. But I think at the same point it all probably comes down to an aesthetic that I have. Okay. Like, like I'm very into my, beautiful, like, art deco and that kind of thing. But, but I'm also very into some good sort of 80s and 90s kitschy sort of stuff. So... Mm. And a little bit of you know modernism in there, so yeah, I think. I guess what I'm trying to ask. Everything eventually, like everything, I feel stems from my aesthetic view of what is and isn't beautiful. Yeah. And no matter what field I'm working in, I feel like that aesthetic remains true. Yeah. But, okay. Cool. Um, but it's definitely a very different process of drawing from that yeah. for each one, maybe. And what inspires you across those different fields? Like, I love the idea that you've kind of codified in a sense your different elements but like what what inspires you when you're looking at either you know a routine through burlesque versus say something like again jewelry design or costume design Uh, so burlesque inspiration comes from the dumbest craziest places so it is that's another topic and that's more just sometimes it's planned and sometimes it's absolute freak happenstance and really comes out of a really ridiculous situation yes like, um, can you give us well, there's so that? this is the problem. There's so many more things to talk about with Valeska's, they're all ridiculous. Um, but bring me back to jewelry at some point if you want. <laughs> I will, <laughs> okay. Um, so my favorite one of my favorite ever burlesque acts came about completely by accident on the night I was booked to do Jurassic Lounge, which was at. Um, yeah, yeah, mm. and we, <laughs> we did. Yeah. yeah, well, I did it quite regularly, but they said something they because you know they often did the speed dating y kind of stuff and yeah. Uh, like, okay. Uh, well, no, there's so many sections in the museums. To, to Jurassic Lounge, for those who don't know, is uh, in Sydney Museum. They after hours they yeah, would have like these on a special- Tuesday or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, you could go there and they'd have all these different. They have some bars set up and they're different. Immersive theatre and performances and acts. Silent discos, all kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So they often had like speed dating as one of the things you could do in one of the rooms. Mm -hmm. And um, 
<laughs> sounds like a brothel in one of the rooms. I mean, like just sitting amongst dinosaurs or something. You could okay. expect date. But uh, they did it in the main auditorium bit and they had sort of prefaced it to me that I would be – they would be doing like a date roulette situation, so like a curtain oh. down the centre – a line of women on one side, men on one side, or identifying either way because they're very inclusive. Um, and then, like, when you're the, the two at the end, I think Michael Hing, the comedian, was the MC that night, and so he would sort of ask either person, either side of the petition, like, a couple of questions and then pair them off and give them an activity to go do around the museum. Mm. Cute. That's a nice idea. But then they wanted me to be in there like a planted date. Oh. And... To give an impromptu lap dance. Oh. <laughs> I don't actually think anybody really thought this through, but I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm always like, sure, let's do something stupid. So I was like, yeah, okay, sure. So I just packed some random shit. I kind of had a song. And actually that's not what they told me. That's the truth. They, they said that you're going to be a plant in this, but I just thought I was going to act. And then it wasn't until I got there that they said, no, you're going to stop the guy like right then and there, we're going to bring a chair out and then you're going to give him a lap dance right there in front of the whole audience. True lie style. And I was like, that's not going to work with the music and costume that I brought. (laughs) Uh, Hang on. But, of course, you had to be there quite early, so I had a couple of hours to kill, so I did actually post on Facebook, like, if you had to uh, lap dance a bunch of sort of 20 to 30-year-old, very culturally hip to um, adults who choose to go to the museum and drink wine on a Tuesday night. Uh, what song would you do it yeah, to? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. What a good brief. Yeah, right? I don't know if they were the exact words, but I was definitely a little condescending. Um, and then I got two people with the same response. One, Dave McLennan. Oh. Uh, the other, a good friend here who said, Bloodhound Gang, the lap dance is so much better than the Stripper Christ. And I was like, I don't know this. But I had okay. Wi-Fi, so I jumped straight on and listened to it. And I was like, that is fucking hilarious and brilliant. But it would have to start with something a bit classic burlesque And so I contacted my other friend, Tim Ken, and I was like, do you think you could, like, I've got maybe an hour and a half until I'm supposed to go on. Do you think you could mix it with a bit of that classic burlesque track? Oh. So it starts with that. Then give me like a core, like the lead up of this up until like a chorus, then a bit more of the burlesque so I could snap in and out of it and then back into that and then like maybe one more snap in and out and just edit that together. And it was like, yeah, done. And he did it for me right on the spot, like from Glebe. Um, and then emailed it back to me. I downloaded it. I was like, okay. Hadn't heard it all the really? way through. Whoa. Yeah, but come on, I was giving some random a lap dance. It wasn't going to get worse. <laughs> so, he doesn't know what's going to happen. No, I didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm just going to cry every time they start talking about the crying. And so I'm going to do real, real sexy. And then I'm just going to cry all over him and grab his shirt to like dry my eyes and like blow my nose in his tie and maybe put his glasses on. And, <laughs> and that is exactly what I did. And it has actually become one of my favorite acts. I've now kind of honed it. I did it in San Francisco at a gig and really? I got a standing, the only standing ovation of the night. Oh. Amazing. And the guy's wife jumped up on stage at the end. And like, because I was very worried because I always make sure I go and like, I do try to pick the most awkward person in the room because the beauty of that act is more in the guy's interaction because so often they're like, I don't know, like, am I supposed to comfort her? Like, Because I'm a pretty good actor. Like I legit look like I'm crying and disgusting. Um, So, yes, she jumped on to like try to, 
fake pull him away from oh, me. Oh, and then nice. I was really worried. So I, I always make a point of going and checking in with who they're with and being like, thank you so much for lending me your boyfriend. Sorry that I know that's so awkward, but like really appreciable. And I'm really, you know, just make sure everyone knows we're on the same page. It was all an act. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> afterwards I had gone straight backstage and then I was like, oh, everyone had told me that the woman had gotten up and I hadn't seen it because I was looking straight forward and I've seen it in the video now and she's very convincing. And I went and found them and then the – the producer of that night said, oh, no, that was actually my dad and that was my mom. No I know. She way. was way into this. She was just annoyed you didn't bring her up. So she really? was trying to get her moment. And I went and talked to them afterwards and she was like, my darling, you're amazing. So, yeah. But- <laughs> That's an awesome story. Now yeah. I understand what you mean by it comes from. The weird places. Yeah. yeah. My other favourite one was simply we did like a themed Dr. Sketchy's night, which is just a night you go model in a burlesque costume and – all these artists come and draw you and drink wine. Tuesday night at the Art House Hotel. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's super fun. I haven't done one in ages. It's uh, it's a lot of work. Um, but it's super fun. And we always themed it when myself and Paulson Alice would do it. We'd have a theme thing and we were just like, this is terribly culturally inappropriate. But we were like, cool, let's have um, – we like what costumes have we both got? We've got both got great like Carmen Miranda fruit hats. We've both got some matching like American flag prints, and I was like, "Let's just call it Los Americanas." Oh, oh. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> but I'm, we're not specifically singling out any American. Anyway, and I'm mm. American. So <laughs> <laughs> um, we just thought it was cute, so we just did like different yeah, vibes yeah, yeah. for costumes. That was it. Like we did one where it was a little bit Latin inspired. We did one where it was very like stars and stripes and etc. But I was like, okay, I really want to do this one act to I'd just been dancing one time with my fans. Actually at a gig in the driveway of the Sofitel in Homebush. Okay. It was supposed to be a morning party, but then apparently for the workers in the Sofitel, apparently like they had scheduled a um some kind of executive meeting at the exact same time as they'd scheduled this like staff appreciation thing. Yeah. So no one could make it. So it was literally me, the coffee guy they hired, <laughs> like next to it with the coffee cart. It was also like 8 a.m. in the morning oh in the dry, like big fancy drive up and a boombox. And that was it. So I just danced to their shitty Cuban play mix for ages with my <laughs> feather fans. It was all supposed to be like Cuban fiesta themed. <laughs> so, um, yep, that's all I did for ages. And then during that I was like, oh, the girl from Ipanema would be such a lovely fan dance. Because it kept coming on, yeah. obviously, in the <laughs> playlist. And then I was like, I want to do something with that. But where does it go? And so I just started like literally a, was a Buena Vista Social Club kind of playlist and just was listening through trying to get things and anything Spotify related. And then I got to, I don't know how, the Macarena. And I was like, that is horrifying. Yes. <laughs> See, you said that's horrifying. I said, no. that's it. It goes into the Macarena and I'll do the Macarena with the feather fans. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. that'll be stupid and slightly impossible. And then it's got to go somewhere else from there. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll make everyone get up and do the Macarena with me. Yeah. Because everyone fucking knows it. You can lie, but everyone knows it. And if not, I'm pretty much being the instructor in front of you. They'll get it. Yeah. And then I took it into the boy from Rio, like, we're my baby. We're my baby. Oh, that's so a great that's one. Yeah. yeah. So then I start a conga. I pull. Um, little tiny baby maracas out of my bra <laughs> and then start a conga line and go off the stage through the audience and just made everyone join me as a conga line and then got them back up onto the stage and made them all make a human tunnel like with their arms so that I could go yep. through for my final like 
pasty titty reveal. Yep. It was a killer and it all just happened by accident because I just needed some more American, Latin American kind of songs. Amazing. And now that's one of my favourite accents. <laughs> that's so random. Um, with burlesque, is it like obviously there's routines that you get inspiration from and the art of burlesque has been around for so long. Is there uh, like – any IP around performances? Yes. Like, how? What's the ethics oh, when it comes? It's such to- a grey area. I really don't even know how to. Like, what do? You, how do you interpret? It? I'd love to know. Don't, you know yeah, like, I yeah. Just trying to think of how you would. Well, you know, as that has been around for a long time. Like, you know, you do a routine with a martini glass, right? And yeah. was, did Dita Von Tees do a martini? It's been again. That's again. Been around she forever. got it for someone yeah. else, and yeah. so you know, I, I think I read like you know over ten years ago. I read some articles like stole my routine and, 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 and there's some people who have like oh there's definitely know, people who are very intense about that unfortunately I, you probably know this better than i do but i think most international patent laws don't well at least well, american ones you, don't like a th- they're not an idea yeah an yeah idea. um i personally tackle that with um every act every idea has been had before like nothing is new but it's how you decide to do it, like make it yours. Mm. Yeah. You can like in terms of props and all these different things, I can't own anything. Like the LED ISIS wings mm. sounds very faux pas right now, but you know, they're just those <laughs> light up wings that everyone has at festivals. Yeah. So I got in on the ground like when they first were a thing and I bought a set and I got two good solid years out of making a ton of money out of those. Yeah. But I knew like if you can buy them on AliExpress and eBay, then it's only a matter of time till everyone has these. But I'm just like, I accept that that's the fate, but I'm going to get in on the ground right now and yeah. make all my money out of them and then I'll retire them once everyone else has them. I knew a guy who had one of the first patents on the giant inflatable flamingo. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. How did that go for him? Oh. It didn't last long, oh. but like while he owned it, yeah. So I've got one. Oh, really? Oh, I, just to be clear, I did not have a patent on those wings. Oh, I just mean no. like I got a pair. And no, did he did. He told me over a drink. I'm like, mate, no, you don't. And then here, and I went, oh, so what's happening now? He's like, well, all I'm doing is fighting patent cases. And I'm like, yeah. how are you going? He's like, not well. <gasps> oh, see, that would be hell. Mm. Yeah. So I think you're doing the right thing. I do know that there are artists who are like that. Um, but it just seems like if that's what you're worried about, like, if you've got one good idea in you, you need mm. to do something else. Yeah. I also just think, like, if you're super worried and everyone is copying you and getting booked ahead of you, be better. Yeah. Be Agreed. Better. Sorry. Like- I look so <laughs> 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 Had a long day of ideas. <laughs> just do something better. Stop being shit. Yeah. Like, up your game. Yeah. Because I just think it's inevitable. Anything you do, it's yeah. eventually going to have it. Like I literally just did a gig where I had someone say, oh, you're so great. I saw you at this other place. And I was like, nope, I wasn't there. And then they were like, yeah, yeah, it was you doing the grinder because I have an angle grinder. I saw grind, that. That's yeah. amazing. And then they were like, no, it was you. And I was like, I looked and I was like, I wasn't actually even in Sydney on that date. And then they showed me they were because they were so convinced that they'd seen me. Stop and also lying quite to drunk, me. So really needed to prove a point. And then brought it up on Instagram and had found it and showed me the clip. And I was like, oh, that's not me. But that is unfortunately exactly <gasps> my costume. And I do know who that is. 
and I did teach her a lesson, not in this, but in oh. something else. And oh, that's oh. a little bit unfortunate. But there isn't like the worst part about that is I think I've really honed what I do, and now people think that your performance is me, mm. and I think that that that's a huge is compliment. A but it's a big compliment as well, knowing you're the original. I'm not the original angle grinder by any respect. No, no, no. But, the- but I'm like I very, I very much watched a million other videos of other people and went, how do I make sure that mine is signature to me and is unlike? Like I want to use the same gimmick, right, right? Because it's an old school sideshow thing. But how do I make sure it's unique to me? Yeah. And that's when it's a bit upsetting to watch other people and you're like, I didn't invent this. I'm not going to claim I invented this. But I did really make it very specific to me. Yeah. And you've replicated exactly what I did. Yeah, that your routine. Yeah. yeah, don't replicate what I did. Do what I do what I did in terms of find a way that it's yours. Mm. Find your own aesthetic, find your own ways of using it, like find your way. So did that you, get, you can be known outside of me. Did you get sparks in your mouth doing it? Yeah, I do yeah, all the yeah. time. How's that feel? To be honest, it's like I get asked all the time if I want hot water in the martini glass and I'm like, adrenaline is so on point. I don't, I do not notice in the moment. If you. Really uh, don't notice. What I do notice is I get weird little um, rashes under my arm. And I think it's from when I grind this boob. They go just here really quickly. For anyone, like I know I'm holding a photo up on a podcast, but there's a great photo of you. Must have just been posted, but it's amazing of you. It with was. It's the one that um, Instagram wouldn't let me promote. What? what? Why? Because uh, I don't know. They sent me the thing about implied nudity. Blah blah blah. Look at it. Implied nudity. You're fully clothed. I know. I did do a whole big like rampage of a story. Very upset about it. It's the second one I've tried. Both fully clothed. Huh. I even oh. went through and changed the wording. Well. Wow. Well, for anyone mm. who wants to see, um, and his Instagram is. Diesel Darling underscore, so you can see, um, yeah, all of her great costumes. So many amazing costumes, but they're so good. Um, is there any advice that you would give to other creatives who are looking to either get into? This was the question I was the most afraid of. Oh, why? I feel like you're a beacon of knowledge. Whether it's burlesque or um, jewelry design, is there, or just creatives in general? Ah, uh, okay. So maybe the question's slightly different. I was worried that you were gonna. That the question was more like telling people to be more in the creative lifestyle. I was like, no, it's terrible. <laughs> why? Why is it terrible? Because I don't sleep. But then again, as a, that's probably mm. more hand in hand with other things. Um, advice that I'd give to creatives? No, give me yours. <laughs> I don't know. Like, if you have a specific question, I do feel like I generally know everything. <laughs> <laughs> or I don't know anything, but I'm very good at figuring it out. What would you tell people who have always wanted to do something like burlesque dancing, which is incredibly vulnerable, do and it. beyond do it? How would you how would you help them bridge that gap between not doing and doing? What What are the reminders you you would give them? Just book in, book into a class. I used to be I used to teach burlesque for years, and I don't anymore just because time and sleeping. <laughs> um, but just book into a class. I know that the girls that I had, or women, like to the extent I had like a university lecturer, big university in a very sort of medically fielded studies, um, who was very, very scared of the whole thing and she'd recently gone through a breakup. And I find that a lot of people come to those classes because they're gone through a breakup or a different <laughs> life change or whatever. They formed a, a troupe and like I couldn't even get her to bend over <laughs> with her butt towards the audience in the first term and in the second term. So I always said, like, 
do we want to take our bras off? We absolutely don't have to. It's up to you because I'm here for you guys. Like this is your thing. We can either just take like off a top bra and we can have like a bra underneath and we can stick some tassels on that if you want to have a go at feeling that. Like it's whatever you feel comfortable with. By the second time she was like, well, yes, of course we need to take our bras off. I mean, why else would we do burlesque? It's like, oh, my God, last term I couldn't get you to bend over in front of an audience. (laughs) Um, But they all formed like this amazing little troupe and they're still performing without me as their teacher. And, yeah, it's, it's just really liberating. I think the beautiful thing about a burlesque class, and this is what I would say to get you to go do it, is you book in and you end up with a whole bunch of other women just like you. Yes, their exact situation might be a bit different, but it's a whole bunch of women and potentially a man, who knows, um, in a vulnerable position and because they're all, like everybody feels nervous on that first class and then you just end up bonding because there's probably not that many other women that you share these kind of experiences. Yeah. Bending over and touching your butt in front of a mirror in a room full of other women who are also being encouraged to do it at the same time. Like that is a bonding experience altogether that is really, really meaningful and amazing. Like I loved beginners more than anything because you just watched everyone go, oh, I'm allowed to be sexy? And not even like it starts with, oh, no, I don't do that, to I'm allowed to do this, to fuck you, I'm doing this. (laughs) And I love that journey. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so much. I kind of want to go into a Bella's <laughs> class now. <laughs> have a private lesson. Will you join me, Jack? I would actually. Yeah, yeah we'll get involved. We we can go together. Will I get your name tattooed on the other day? No, no, go to a group. Unless you like want to be a performer and want to hone an act you have. Yeah, yeah. I would say go to a group lesson. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and um, chatting with us tonight. Uh, yeah, people want to find you uh, at Diesel underscore Darling is the best place. Diesel to Darling. Diesel Darling. Diesel Darling underscore. Um, yeah, we'll be we'll be out next week. Um, if you liked this episode, share it with your friends. Uh, if you've got someone that you think you should get to do a burlesque class, someone who needs to feel a little bit sexy, send them this episode and we'll be back next week. Amazing. Thanks, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.